0: Hello and welcome to Ways Women Lead, the podcast where remarkable female leaders share their personal journeys and offer valuable guidance on advancing your career as a woman in leadership. Join host Anna Gramadska and her guests as they delve into various aspects of leadership, including diversity, equity, and inclusion. This podcast is brought to you by Six Group, a global executive search and leadership advisory firm. Oh, thank you for having me, Anna. So just a quick introduction. So you're currently a director of engineering at Massive Brakes North America. It's a company, for those who don't know, that designs and manufactures brake pads and brake linings for the automotive industry. And prior to joining your current business, you've had a fantastic over 60-year-long career at Federal Mogul. It's a huge automotive business. They're a global supplier of vape parts. And you've progressed through roles of increased responsibility, starting as a formulator, moving through application engineering, program management, product engineering. And prior to this, you were with Goodyear as a rubber compounder. So I'm excited to dig a little bit deeper in your experiences and see what advice we could share and best practices we could share to women who want to progress similar career path and leaders who want to develop teams within similar environment. So maybe would you explain a little bit more about your leadership journey? What have been the biggest milestones in your leadership journey? Good to just get like a real quick
1: background um I started and grew up in rural Nebraska on a farm so you know when I think of when I was little and what leadership vision I had you know it it, it wasn't what I've done and I, I think there's probably a lot of um, boys and girls out there that that have a similar current situation so my leadership journey I would say probably started in high school already, where my I was fortunate enough that my grandmother had started and owned her own real estate business. So I worked with her and got kind of my first glimpse into what a, you know, strong female leader. She was absolutely fearless could be, and got the chance to work with her and kind of get my feet wet for business. Went to university for engineering primarily because I love math and science and I wanted To find a career that I knew I could make a good living at um, and be independent. Independence was very important to me and still is today. I kind of fell into automotive. In Lincoln, there aren't a lot of chemical engineering employers. Goodyear Tire and Rubber was one of the few that did co-ops for college students. And so I was able to win one of those positions while I was still at the university. And then um, I had a position and an offer to hire on actually before I even graduated with my undergraduate degree. So I wouldn't say in my twenties that automotive was a passion of mine, but I found it. And really enjoyed learning about the material science formulation and compounding area during that time. From there, I finished my mas was able to finish my master's degree and kind of completed at that point what my academic goals were. Goodyear was going through some transition and changes and closing that technical center at the time, so that's when I um, moved into the braking industry and have pretty much been here. doing something to do with um, the braking systems on cars and heavy commercial vehicles since 2004. Went in, did a similar role, Federal Mogul, as you uh, mentioned earlier, in formulation and product development. Wanted to learn more about the customer sites, actually moved to Michigan um, in 2005, and since then have worked in progressive roles of application engineering, really learning more about The customers, the customer requirements directly versus just the R&D side of the business. One of my biggest milestones in 2008, I was there, kind of created and did some reorganization, and I was offered a role to manage the product development team which was one of my big goals. Um, I've always loved working with people. Um, I had some opportunities before that in my career to manage co-op students, which I really enjoyed and mentor them. So I confirmed that was part of my passion. Um, and it had that. So that was one of the biggest things. It was also one of the most challenging because at that time in 2008, nine and 10 is when here in the Detroit area especially, we went through the recession. And we were having to downsize, having to let go of some of my team, close an R&D center, things I never realized young in my career, you know, that are part of leadership and a very important part of leadership. One of the big key pieces of advice that stood out to me from one of the executive leaders at that time was... You know, as as difficult as it is to let a few go in a large business and keep in mind this is a large corporation, you know, you you have the responsibility to the rest of the employees and the company to be able to make those hard and difficult decisions to keep everyone else's job. So it was a big perspective shift for me having that. Since then, I continued within the product development group, eventually made director of engineering managed our product development group for the aftermarket side of our business for quite a while. And then um, Teneco bought Mogul at that time. I moved into the business side and managed the whole breaking product line for a short period of time. Learned a lot more about the business side, which was a great opportunity, but ultimately not a role that was a great fit for me in the end. In 2020, I found Masu Breaks, which is a smaller um, family-owned Indian company. I've worked with them doing everything. So we'll get into it in, in in a little bit, but being a leader in a large corporation is completely different than essentially our um US building here is, is a startup um branch of our Indian entity. So I've completely flipped hats. I I've, I've switched from maybe two or three in a in a corporate role to about 20 <laughs> here mm-hmm. in more of a startup role, which is is been just a complete change. I think a lot of people have gone through changes in their jobs over the last couple of years since COVID, but mine is completely flipped. So now essentially building a new business here mm-hmm. um, instead of leading a very established, you know, historical group, international group. So completely different, but great challenges.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember when we spoke about it the first time, you said how it was not planned change at the time, it it, it happened because of the acquisition, the role that you took on at the time within within Federal Mogul wasn't one that suited you best, and this opportunity presented itself, so it's not something that you planned in the past, but it turned out to be such a fantastic opportunity that uh, gave you all these possibilities to do way more than you did at Federal Mogul. So what are the key differences? between what you did at Federal Mobile in your last role. So that was Director of Product Management in your current role. So of course, being part of a large corporation, there are many counterparts to do similar position, many divisions, many product lines, many layers, and that has its different implications, right? There's a lot of well-defined processes and systems, but also uh, it's probably a little bit more bureaucratic and this, yeah. the decision-making process is slower. So Uh, Tell me a little bit more in terms of what does your role look like now? How those responsibilities are different? What do you find most fascinating? Why is it so fascinating in comparison to the other one?
1: I think the most exciting and inspiring part of what I'm doing now is being such everyday direct impact part of building something. I mean, we just bought a brick and mortar technical center here we are literally filling an empty building you know building up a prototype shop a you know testing lab and and our customer base here now we have an established aftermarket customer base we're looking you know working to grow our OE side of the business so it's 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 all growth right and and all mm-hmm. all new things happen very quickly, decisions have to be made very quickly in very extremely agile environment versus, used a great word, you know, the bureaucracy of a larger international corporation, right? Like those decisions, where you spend money, how you combine things, even to the point of, are you following a corporate standard? And are you, you know, all of those things kind of we're defining those now. So versus living within those walls, we're defining, do we even want walls? Or, you know, what things do we need to define and what what don't we? So it's exhilarating. It's also honestly some days terrifying because, you know, you're it it is all change. I'm an extremely organized person by nature. So learning to and challenging myself to adapt to this a bit, I don't, I don't want to use uncertain from a business standpoint, but uncertain from what, what is my day going to look like, right? uncertain That that uncertainty of, okay, I don't know when all my meetings are. I don't know what I'm all going to have to work on today. I don't know who's going to show up the door with a delivery. Um, I've, I found that shipping companies aren't always very reliable on their schedule. Sometimes they just show up and want to drop off something, you know, and you figure it out. So having to really consciously challenge myself on how do you adapt and thrive in that environment, knowing it's what you want to do. But there's a natural environment everybody is best in. I think it is extremely rare, if non-existent, then anyone's going to find a, a job that actually fits that, you know, on a, on a regular basis. Hopefully you hit your key points and can move forward. So, you know, from a leadership standpoint, I'm doing far less right now of direct management of individuals because what I'm leading and doing right now is building the business and the foundation for the people that that will come, right? So it's it's a completely different phase of leadership, probably more important in a lot of ways, because what we're establishing now will set that tone and set that path to success for everyone that we do bring on as the team and, and for the business
0: as we move forward, you know, and that in that growth. It makes me think it's it's more, it can be more rewarding, as you said, because you're building the foundations, you are creating the rules to an extent, processes, the systems, how the organization will operate for the people who will be joining them as the organization is growing. But at the same time, you are more exposed when making these decisions, yes because it will all fall back to you. <laughs> it's a bit more risky, isn't it? It's more entrepreneurial, more rewarding. But it's more risky. You're more those decisions. You're more accountable for them, and and they all come back to you. Yes, there there
1: is no one else to point to. It's you know we we're three of us here right now and in this built physically in this building. So you know uh, there is no one else. So yes, Mm -hmm. it it is it is definitely an element of risk. But I am fortunate enough to be surrounded with the team and and the owners of the company that understand that and support that and we all want the same thing right we're all working towards the same goal and aligned on that we on a day-to-day basis we all have our own paths to get there but you know we're all working towards that together and kind of have share that vision so that's pretty exciting and pretty rare you know what i'm doing now is very hands on there's there's the, all the strategy and the leadership work and the technical work and the customer development that i'm doing and interactions but yesterday I was back wrenching on a piece of equipment, you know, and I hadn't done that in a long time. So, you know, I hadn't worked in a factory in a long time. I, I did, but I hadn't been there for quite some time. So I think the best leaders are the ones that at least have done some portion of the job themselves. And you don't always recognize or take the time to reflect and kind of maybe lost touch base a little bit on on some of those things. So even though it's One of the more challenging things for me, because I haven't done it in a while, and some of it's new, but I can see how much benefit there's going to be for the future, too, that as I'm setting up all these things, like I said, setting the groundwork and doing a lot of it physically myself, then I know why I'm setting those rules or procedures or, you know, all of those things, because I'm having the opportunity to have, you know, that hands-on exposure myself, which is really rare, I think, at this point in my career, you know, mid-career to be able to do that.
0: What was the biggest learning for you, having transitioned into this role? What was the biggest lesson? I think the biggest thing
1: that I had to learn how to do was to show myself grace. I (laughs) tend to be a perfectionist. I tend to... Always want to do things right the first time and not have mistakes. As I reflect back on my management style over the years, I know I've, and I've been told this, been at times a pretty hard manager and that I expect that from my team as well. And this experience has reminded me how valuable, you know, showing yourself and your team grace can be and mm-hmm. allowing yourself to make some of those mistakes because you know, now that I'm back in this learning phase of, well, shoot, this is a brand new piece of equipment I'd never Mm -hmm. seen before. I'm going to make some mistakes. I don't know what I'm doing. I need to learn it. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. um, it's been a really great reminder for me Mm -hmm. personally of that, both Mm -hmm. towards myself, but as we hire people to maybe soften my perspective just a little bit on that.
0: Uh Do you think it's made you a better leader? Taking on this role. Yeah, for sure. For
1: sure. I think the broader your experiences are in general makes you a better leader because it just broadens your perspective. I look at life the same way. I love to travel and I've had lots of opportunities to travel globally, you know, and I hope to my kids to experience that too because I just think the more things you see and learn firsthand, it just gives you a different perspective and a broader perspective to be able to to see and understand the world around you. And and same thing as a leader within a, a business, that the more you do and the more you challenge yourself to grow, the more you allow others around you to do the same.
0: If someone wanted to take on this role, what would you say are the three most important skills they would have to learn to do it successfully? Number one is problem solving. There's new challenges that come up every
1: single day. Number two is, Part of that is, falls into problem solving, but it just is, is, is creativity, you know, finding creative solutions because we are so short staffed. You have to find other resources, right? That maybe mm-hmm. for me personally, coming from a large corporation where you had a whole groups and teams of people or resources available. Now I've got to find another way to get it done, right? We don't mm-hmm. have that resource. So being creative in that. And last is patience. Like just really patience. being able to sit in the moment. Find where you're at, focus on it and just be patient with the process because, you know, nothing ever happens fast enough and it's and it's not going to. So you need to continue and maintain that drive for sure. But to also have the
0: patience to understand that, you know, you're trying to accomplish a lot. And what was uh, the most challenging situation that you've experienced that you had to overcome?
1: I haven't really done anything with or don't have a background in facilities, right, with mm-hmm. with buildings and equipment and, and the, the physical part of that. And um, a couple months ago, we got the first big piece of equipment, which is this expensive press that we bought. And it was coming in containers. And, you know, we didn't even have a forklift here. So to find like, OK, well, what do we need to do to find a company that can help us? First of all, physically get it off the truck, and how do we unload it, and how do we get it set up, and how do we get this installed? You know, mm-hmm. again, back to the creativity comment on we don't have the resources here. It was literally just me standing in a giant building, you know, telling these guys what mm-hmm. to do. So it's it was a bit overwhelming at first. I did have help with my coworkers, you know, find the right contractors and and people to get that done, and then just that confidence and that good feeling after it wasn't okay nothing went wrong we got it in it's running like Uh that first one checked off the box right like that that Uh that first big piece of equipment here installed like we figured it out I got it all done I managed the project and and Uh finished it I think that was like will always stand out as a big one in my mind
0: uh-huh, so it's a piece of equipment that will produce the, the product that you then yes. sell to, to your customers. aha yes. huh uh-huh. So it was literally setting up the production line from... Was it setting it up from scratch when you joined or, or some It's setting it up of from it, scratch. We're doing a, of a, it. It's a prototype line right now, not full production, uh-huh. but yes. Uh-huh, 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 Wow. That's a... Yeah, you, you, you see it physically, right? It's it's not just on paper that yeah. something is happening. Yeah, you're literally building it. I mean, there, there's physically an empty room and now it's, uh-huh. you know,
1: has equipment in it, so there's no hypothetical there. It's it's a direct tie to
0: to what you're accomplishing. Fantastic. <laughs> a moment you most proud of or biggest success you you most proud of?
1: I, you mean overall career or most recently? Up to you, overall or most
0: recent, if you prefer.
1: I think one of the big biggest moments, and I had alluded to it a little bit before, was you know when I when I made manager. To me at that point in my career, it was always a big goal. It's kind of was my driving force behind getting my master's degree. My, you know, I had volunteered for was told in my career, volunteer for all the extras. You know, I I wrote the quality system for the technical center. I went and did my PMP. I did all these extra things to try to Get that, And for many years kind of felt like I was spinning my wheels. I think many young people in their career in that first, you know, five to 10 years sometimes feel like that. Like, why can't I just reach that first hurdle? So that one will always stand out to me as one of the biggest, I think. From there, it was a lot more progression once I kind of got my foot into that management path. Thankfully, I enjoy management. I know some people don't, but for me, Mm -hmm. it it was a positive thing. So that's probably one of the biggest ones. Um, Shortly thereafter, I had my first son and then my second son. So everything after that was kind of of crazy, but that was always one of my goals kind of for me personally before I started a family was to at least kind of make that first management level. Um, I think you can do it in any order. I don't feel like there's a set order Family versus work, especially these days, but that was my
0: goal at the time, so I'm proud of that. And talking about leadership in the automotive industry, so they've been any industry, the world is changing, any industry is changing, but I think the interesting changes in the in the automotive industry, electrification is a big one and it impacts the entire supply chain, of course, and that. In turn, impacts the R&D investment and CapEx investment. And we've had recent challenges of supply yeah. chain bottlenecks, et cetera, et cetera. How does that impact your role as a leader of these changes happening in the industry? You know, a direct tie right now, today,
1: not as as much but in general there's huge impacts in like say even the detroit area right there's been all announcements in the news about chip manufacturing you know coming here to michigan now um, more investment back into the us into the technology sector that supports the automotive industry so all of those types of investments and in career and jobs bring the technology back into this area. And as a leader for me personally, from like a hiring standpoint, personnel standpoint, it's a positive because you're bringing those types of employees, those, we already have a very high level of engineering and technical people in place here in the Detroit, Michigan area because of automotive. But the more of that that comes back the more of those skill sets you know we continue to maintain in the area versus, as an example, them going, you know, to another country or overseas or something like that. So the more we can keep those technical expertise here in the area, the better it is for all of the engineering and more technical based companies.
0: So do you think it's a, there's a positive shift because there's more investments locally, actually? So, so it actually impacts businesses positively? Yeah, I feel like there is, yes. Uh-huh. Fantastic. And when it comes to the skills that are needed, does it have an effect on the type of people you need or the type of skills you need uh, within your teams? I think that is more driven
1: by what we've seen from a corporate culture and from, you know, the COVID shift than it is necessarily from technology. Here in Michigan, at least a lot of the large employees are still, you know, at least partially remote. As an example, for their work model, there's a lot more focus on flex work and things like that. When I was, I mean, really until COVID, you know, most of us came up through most of our career and experiences going to the office five days a week, working 50, 60 hours (laughs) a week. I mean, when I was at plants, I mean, we were there all the time, you know, it's just... it's shifting in more of a cultural standpoint. So I think that will be more an interesting point for me here. We're kind of going against that trend in the sense that we're building a technical center where at least a portion of the roles that I will be looking to hire for physically need to be located here because they're hands-on jobs. And I think that's going to become, knowing some of our suppliers, as an example that we work with, that have some similar roles, you know, that's that's
0: currently
1: somewhat of a job gap. And so those types of of workers are going to need to continue to be developed. How do we get creative and attract high quality people still to those hands-on roles when their other option might be working remote, right? And so it's it's a different decision matrix now. And I think that's going to be more driven by that. I'm not as concerned today, but as we move forward in the next couple of years, we need to be very conscious of that and continue to take that, you know, under review.
0: I'm also curious a little bit about because of the topic ways women lead and because I think things have changed so much since I don't know the last decade or since several years ago, but statistics still show that there are way less female engineers and way less female leaders in manufacturing and engineering and in automotive organizations. And you did say at the beginning that you were always passionate about mathematics and so you followed your passion. Why do you think there aren't more women in engineering and in the automotive? How could we inspire interest in this field? I think it ties in a little bit
1: to what I was just saying. Historically, Mm -hmm. it has never been a flexible work hour type option, right? Whether you're male or female, whatever your parenting role is, if you have children, as an example, you know, by nature, your schedule gets more complicated and anytime you can add some flexible options in there, it just helps to manage that. And so when I worked, I served on the advisory board for the chemical engineering department at Nebraska for 15 years after I graduated. And, you know, it was always that, how do you attract more? And how, and, and a lot of it came down to that, you know, historical, there's still a big chunk of historical engineering roles that are hands-on. They're dirty. They're in a factory. Some of them require a lot of heavy lifting or what? you know. And so just physically, they aren't as attractive to females often and as as a general group. But really, I think it comes more down to the work flexibility. So as there are more technical roles and even leadership roles that continue maybe in this flex schedule, two, three days in person kind of thing, and people feel like they have more degrees of freedom to manage their life as they need it, get their work done when they need to get it done and, you know, manage their family when they need to do that. I think that makes it a lot more attractive. Is that the full solution? No. But I mean, it, it definitely is trending in the right direction. I know for me personally, my boys are 11 and 13. And just being able to, if I need to leave, go home. I was 100% remote until this year mm-hmm. when we when we mm-hmm. opened this up. So I can do a lot of my work. Remote. If I need to go home, take care of something for an hour with them, and then you know I'll probably work two more hours on my computer that night. It's my choice, but I have that option, and that is a much more attractive situation to me than saying you have to be there till six o'clock and you can't leave. And and almost I've worked in an environment where you know it was, it was almost shame if you left before a certain time, and, mm-hmm. and and you know those those kinds of things I think are a bit outdated at this point, and hopefully we're, as a society, moving moving past that. Um, I try really hard with my kids raising boys to talk about what I do, to talk about any successes that, you know, my one son loves space. You know, some of there's been some of the females in the, in the news with NASA lately, and you know, there's been a lot more activity there, so that's been exciting. But just trying to point out as a culture, I think, so... I want when my kids are in science class and my son's science partner is a female, I want him to be like encouraging her just as much mm-hmm. as the other way around. You know, it's it's this culture that we have to build um, with everyone, not just not just talking to little girls about it. It's 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 talking to you know all the next generation of of acceptance and support and building each other up in that. And um, I think that takes generations to shift but if I look at my generation versus my parents versus my grandparents we're a lot more progressed than we were for sure so I, I
0: I hope I hope we're on an exponential trend on that one definitely I'm very encouraged by the changes I'm seeing I think it is demanded that work provides the flexibility now to to people who want to have families and marry it with work that, that flexibility is offered it's very minor amount of organizations that still have old-fashioned kind of rules about it but it's it's changing really fast so I think definitely I think you're in in the right moment in a very promising moment and I think those numbers are just a legacy of some of the policies that were in organizations in the past because right now there are possibilities but of course let's say women need to move through through the system right so they need to progress and, and it takes generations but we're on the right path definitely set up the right direction so it's really promising
1: yeah, it'll be interesting really to see the statistics to me for the next 5 years on um reentry. That's always been a big statistic with women in technology, you know, a lot of take, you know, it's it's not as common in the US because of our maternity leave laws are very short, but it's pretty common to take off a year or two or three from your career, you know, when your children are or infants um during that time. And and then it's always the question of, okay, when you're ready to re-enter the workforce, do you go back into a more rigid engineering career or do you try to do something else? Since COVID, there's been a lot of changes with childcare and whatnot. So I'll be really curious to see that like percentage of re-entry of women that were in engineering or technology prior, maybe took intentionally took some time off. are looking to re-enter, like what they choose, if if they're able to find something still in their field of education or expertise that's now flexible enough for what they're looking at at that point in their career. Mm -hmm. That's typically where we lose a a high percentage of females and why they don't progress into leadership. You know, Mm -hmm. if you you take some time off, then it kind of interrupts that. And those paths haven't been available in the past.
0: That's true, especially if someone took a longer break. I think there is still a little bit of bias. If you, your break was too long, maybe you've lost skills and cannot take on similar position, which I think it's a little bit unfair. But but again, I think organisations are working on this, uh, trying to open up uh, more possibilities for, for women re-entering following the break. Uh, final question. What is the most important advice you could give to your younger self if you were starting your career all over again?
1: If I look back, probably starting with university and career, it would be to have more fun. (laughs) I I was very driven and focused. I still am, but I was very Mm -hmm. driven and focused in my my education and at university and earlier in my career and and trying to, like I said, kind of reach that first goal. and, And I'm very proud of that. But if I could do it over, I would have more fun along the way.
0: Uh, <laughs> that's a good advice I think there's no you can still do the same, do the same work but just enjoy make time it more. So fun right and yeah in yeah those extra, extra moments yeah <laughs> that's I think that's a perfect perfect note <laughs> for for the finish thank you very much for, for being part of this conversation it, it was uh really interesting to hear your insights yeah thank you so much and I appreciate it thank you take care all right Goodbye. That's it for this month's Ways Women Lead episode. But there is plenty more insightful and actionable advice from where this podcast came from. Check out our website on www.6-group.com if you'd like to know more about how to build and develop diverse, inclusive, and effective leadership teams and how to progress your career as a leader. See you next time.